Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into episode 140 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Fantastic, Jack. How are you? I'm doing great. We're uh, rocking and rolling with this podcast. We've been doing pregame and postgame shows and little analysis here and there about uh, how things are going with this season, the uh, ins and outs, the statistics, the analytics, everything that you guys need to know to stay up to date with your beloved Kentucky Wildcats. We just wrapped up uh, Kentucky's winning podcast over Vanderbilt, the, how that happened, uh, everything that went well for the Cats down in Nashville. And it's already, Sean, time to talk about the volunteers. The Tennessee volunteers are heading to Rupp Arena on Saturday, so we are recording this ahead of time to uh, break down what we know about the volunteers and uh, how Kentucky could pull off the impressive home win over its bitter in-conference rival. So, Sean, let's get us rolling uh, uh, what do we need to know about the Tennessee Volunteers? They they struggle to score points. That is the the one thing that stands out. If you've turned on the tape and watched Tennessee in recent weeks, they absolutely struggle to put the ball in the basket. But on the other side of that, they're second in adjusted defensive numbers in Ken Palm. So out, outside of LSU, who's number one, uh, this will be another – tall task for Kentucky to to be efficient in efficient against offensively but they're they're going to have an advantage this time that LSU game with the injuries to Savier and then Ty Ty being out they had no idea who their point guard was that that certainly affected the way that game was played this one Kentucky knows what they're good at now and what they have success in and that's going to give them a game plan to have some success if Kentucky can get to 70 points Saturday I think that they win this game. But if Kentucky's efficient offensively, they shoot it well, they get points in the paint, and they don't allow Tennessee to turn them over, I think Kentucky could win this game by double digits. Well, it's uh, definitely a possibility considering Kentucky's offensive numbers as of late are uh, fairly unbelievable. In fact, uh, we we touched on it a little bit last show, but um, Cal, there's kind of this back and forth uh, – 
in the Vandy game of what happened when when Cal went with his three guard lineup and his three big lineup, right? And and there was this uh, this massive outrage on social media about what happened when Cal decided to to go w- with three bigs and said he went with the. Um, Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, and Oscar Shibway line up there for a while. He even went in. Uh, there was a, a brief moment, I believe, he had Toppin, Collins, and Shibway in together at the same time, and and it was it was just almost comical how Kentucky's go. They jump jump out to a ridiculous start. Things go incredibly well. They uh, roll out the so I have the exact numbers. They open the game on a nine-two run, spread that lead to to seventeen uh, eight, and then and then eleven points at twenty-two to eleven. Then um, with eleven thirty-six to go, Mintz gets subbed out for Bryce Hopkins, uh, and that's the first three big lineup: Bryce Hopkins, Jacob Toppin, and and Oscar Shibway. And then that during that stretch, the Commodores go on an 11-0 run to tie the game at 22-22. And then Cal goes, does his little mini platoon, subs out all three of those guys, puts back in the starters, and then Kentucky goes on a 14-0 run uh, of its own and leads by as many as 16 before the half. So, Sean, it's very clear that when this team is clicking, when they are, are going guard heavy, it's very clear that this team is capable of putting up a ton of points, and that's exactly what they need against against Tennessee. In fact, I was crunching some of the numbers uh, recently. Sean, get this. The Wildcats are averaging with its typical starting lineup of Xavier Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, Keon Brooks, and Oscar Shibway. They are averaging 128.9 points per 100 possessions, Sean. And then when you replace Xavier with Davion Mintz, so essentially what we've been seeing the last two games, uh, that that three-guard lineup of Davion Mintz, Ty Ty Washington, and Kellen Grady – Sean, they're putting up 149 points per 100 possessions. You take you take those guys out and you put in the three three uh, big lineup, the three big lineup of Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, and Oscar Sheboy. Sean, they're putting up 35.3 points per 100 possessions. I mean, it's almost a hundred point difference in those two things. Whenever we go three bigs versus three guards, Sean, I think it's very clear at this point what is working and what is not for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, and, and that group that, that was healthy, take Wheeler out for the last two games and then throw in either Keon or Toppin at the four only, and they were plus 45 in those two games against uh, Georgia and against Vanderbilt. And then against Georgia, that lineup didn't start the game. and They played that lineup with Toppin and Keon a couple of different times, or it's probably plus 50, plus 60 if they, uh, if they play them a little more together or if they don't sub as much as they did against Vandy in the first half and then late in the second half. But, yeah, it's clear right now what's working, and which kind of brings you into if Xavier Wheeler does play Saturday, do you start him? Do you bring him off the bench? And I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't know if it's a right answer or a wrong answer. I think it's just kind of an opinion or how you feel. Or You get one coach, and he probably thinks one way. You get another coach, and they probably think the other way. Or maybe these coaches have had experience with this same situation. I said today on uh, Kentucky Daily that I think that they should bring Xavier off the bench for the first game or two and just roll with the lineup that's been playing. They've established a rhythm. Let Xavier play his way back into it. And and then don't don't do anything to mess with the ingredients that's working right now. And then if Xavier goes in and he's playing well and he can play 27 to 30 minutes or his normal amount of production and time – then you do it. But if he's rusty, then you know what you've got with this lineup and you don't actually kill the flow 
that's been working so well. But I, I think that that's a challenge that, that Cal and the staff's going to have. Uh, but ultimately, I actually think that Cal will start him if he's able to go. I, I just don't know. I, I, I kind of just have a hard time really messing with something that is doing as well as it is right now. And then here's the other side of that. I, I see some people saying, well, Kentucky's not beat anyone. No, they, they haven't. Georgia's not very good. Vandy's not very good. Western's not very good. But the, the thing is, is they've been efficient in those games against those teams that aren't very good. I've seen some Kentucky teams in the past struggle to be efficient offensively against these same teams. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the numbers of those three. It just uh, playing this playing this this possibility of of say you leave Savier on the bench, let him kind of ease back in. Sean, that three guard lineup that they're rocking with right now, 149 points per possession. They have an adjusted margin per 100 possession of 40, 47.9, which is very good. Uh, they're shooting an effective field goal p- percent of 64%, shooting 41% from three, a turnover rate of just 7%. So they're not turning the ball over either. Uh, assist percent of 47%, defensive rebound percent of 82%. I mean, you go down the list, what's working right now is very, it, I mean, it's working very, very well. I think I'm right there with you. I think that the. I think if it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it scenarios. Well, you clear it's clearly working. I I wouldn't mess up what's working quite well, honestly. And it's not that I'm saying that Xavier Wheeler is not going to come in and play a ton of minutes. I'm just sure. saying to get the game flow established, I think you go with what's been hot because you know a, a player's been out. Let's let's say he plays Saturday. We do not know yet, so that would be almost two full weeks out of action until he's played. Like there, there's going to be some rust there early in the game. There's going to be that that moment where he wants to do maybe a little bit too much to get himself going. I think that just naturally it'd be easier to kind of let him come in, maybe at that first media timeout or after that first media timeout, put some pressure on the basketball, get a steal, make a play early in transition, hit a, hit an open shooter for an assist. And it, it, to me though, it will be easier to break Xavier Wheeler back into action more so than it is to break a shooter back into action. A guy that can make a play on the defensive end or be disruptive on, on that on-ball defense or uh, make a play for someone else, I, I think it'll be easy for him to work his way back in. I just think the game flow needs to be established with this lineup that's been playing so well because if you throw Wheeler out there and, it, and there's some rust, that unit's not been on the floor together in two weeks, it could kind of get stagnant, and then you don't know how they recover the rest of the way. Like – it might hinder what has been doing so well. Let, let them keep that rhythm and then kind of work him in around it. And then at some point, let him take on his and resume his role as starting point guard. Or, Sean, let, let's just play double devil's advocate. And, uh, <laughs> I know where you're going. And let's talk about the uh, beloved uh, chaotic idea that – see, okay, if you recall – all summer long, what did you hear John Calipari talk about? Every radio interview he had, every time he went on TV, and uh, every conversation he had, every single time he talked about it, he said, uh, I want a four-guard lineup. He said, we're going to have four positions that are guard positions. So this was back, I mean, four months ago. This was back, uh, I mean, August, I believe it was, uh, said uh, – uh, I want to play four perimeter players, basically like four guards. If you don't have guard skills, you can't be in one of those spots. If you can't be a driver or creator, you turn it over too much, that's your responsibility to grow your skills. 
he wanted this entire time a four-out offense. And I went back and I looked at the advanced stats and the the uh, advanced lineups. Cal has only used that four-guard lineup that he preached so much one time. We have seen it one single possession, a potential lineup of Xavier Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady, and Oscar Shibway. I'm sitting here thinking we're seeing what's working right now for Kentucky, and it's the, the three guards that have been out there right now, Davion Mintz, Ty Ty, and, and Kellen Grady. Why don't we just add in uh, Xavier to the fold as Chin Coleman went on radio last night and said that exact yeah. same thing. He goes on BBN radio uh, after the, the Cal show, and this was exact, his exact quote. I think we should play four guards. And then he, he said, I like the three-guard offense for us because of the ball handling. So he's stressing what we've been stressing, that he, he likes uh, being able to initiate, and he likes being able to move the ball up the floor and sh- scoring and shooting opportunities. But then he says, um, it's a more lethal lineup when you, we have multiple guards on the floor. I want to see us play four guards. I want to see us play all four of them. I think that's a death lineup with Oscar and whoever else out there. So, Sean, that gets us to – that next topic of why in the world don't we just say, screw it, let's just play our five best players that are playing as well as anybody in the country right now. Why don't you just put your five best players out on the floor and and just let her rip? And, and I think you're going to see it at some point. And Chin's comments on the radio show last night is, is the reason why I think you're going to see it. Because we know, Cal, it's been discussed or Chin wouldn't have said it in public air because you know Cal's probably if, if Cal didn't want to do it or didn't want to at least talk about it he's probably thinking why in the hell did you say that yeah you know because now the fans are going to do the whole let's I want to see this or are we going to see this and that's what we're talking about today it was in mailbag questions on my end today it was in DMs everybody wants to know like can they do that and it's not like it's not as much the death lineup from the three-point shooting aspect of it because Wheeler isn't going to shoot an efficient clip from that distance but when you add in a Davion Mintz that can shoot it, a Kellen Grady that can shoot it, Tata Washington can spread the floor and shoot it, Oscar acquires so much attention, it actually fits Xavier Wheeler too because he has all this space to operate and do some stuff off the bounce and get to the rim and, and, and all those things that makes him so good. Uh, Oscar Shibway is the key ingredient, though. He is. There are so many plays from that Vandy game the other night, Jack, where Kentucky got open looks on the perimeter. Davion Mintz hit a – hit a three in the corner off of a flex a flex screen on the baseline where the Oscar required so much attention that Scotty Pippen Jr. got too far inside being aware of the duck end that Davion Mintz got an open three. Like Oscar's a guy now right, that right now is requiring like six eyes on him at all times. You add in these four perimeter players, it's going to make it that much harder to defend him as well. And I think it's interesting because Cal on his radio show, they asked him about – that possibility if, if you know, why don't you just go four guards? And he said, yeah, I'd like to. Um, but at the same time, you got to wor- worry about defense. We're in the SEC. Uh, you got to worry about, you, you know, how how is your four going to guard some of the big you, you know, monster guys that they have down low in the SEC? And, and I look at I look at the roster that, that Tennessee is going to roll out uh, to, on Saturday afternoon. Kennedy Chandler, six foot, uh, Viscovi at six three, James six six, uh, Folky at six nine, and their starting center at six eight. Like, th- how can you look at that? And, and especially like Fulkerson at six nine, playing that kind of stretch four slash kind of small ball four a little bit. I, I don't know how you look at that 
and feel like you can't take advantage of, of you know, I feel like Cal should be the aggressor in this and say, well, okay, yeah, we might have to defend you, but you also got to guard us. I think that's kind of the mindset I'm taking is, how are you going to guard yeah. Savir Wheeler with three open shooters all around him and then Oscar Shibway down low to, to be a ball magnet for rebounds? I think that is the well, secret it, sauce. It's, it's the if you continue to score 80 and 90, does it really matter? Right, exactly. Like if, if, you're, doing, if you're doing that, and, and I'm thinking – I would do it like this, and and you don't have to stick with it. And, and I'm not saying that he has to do it. Would I like to see this the four guard look? I would just to see how it does. Like experiment a little bit. Maybe you find something at certain stretches of the game that just puts so much pressure on the opponent. And let's say that they run this lineup out there. Whoever has to defend that lineup first is going to be at a significant disadvantage because one, they don't have tape on it. Two, they've not prepared for it because you can't simulate it right now because you don't know what it looks like. And it would be on the fly. Let's say that they play 10 to 12 minutes of that first half tomorrow, and then you get a look at that lineup around the last of the first half. And you try it out for a stretch of two to three minutes, and you see how it does. And let's say you have some success with it. Well, then you don't necessarily have to start the second half with it, but you can go back to it again at some point, and maybe it just keeps the other team off balance. It, it's changing it up a little bit. You're, you're going from having a key on there that you're not having to worry about as much except in that mid-range game, maybe flying in for an offensive rebound, and now you're having to worry about a guy that you're closing out on beating you off the bounce. It kind of puts you in a position, does Rick Barnes adjust and throw another wing player on there? Uh, and I just think that it kind of – I mean, you're you're playing chess a little bit, and you're, you're trying to figure out what the next move is, and I think it would be worth looking at it. And maybe it's a lineup that gets eight to nine minutes a game on average. And it, it might be at that key moment in the game where you need a spark and you need a run, and, and that might be one of the combinations that work. Just add anything to your list of options to kind of try to help you win a basketball game. Yeah, and I guess the counter to that is, well, we're already seeing that they're scoring 149 points per 100 possessions with True. their typical lineup. So, I mean, you don't need them to score 200 points per per 100 possessions. But I, I do agree. You are initiating. You are being the aggressor in saying you need to combat us. You need to figure out a way to stop us instead of kind of you know playing playing defense on the way Cal's kind of Cal's mindset is on it. I, I just. When you have this and, much talent, I just I just don't know why it'd be, it'd be such a bad thing to just see what happens. I, I agree with you. Just see what happens. See, experiment with it a little bit. I think this is a good test if you were going to do it uh, against Tennessee because they do play rather small. I, I think it would be a good a, a good chance for them to show that. Well, and, and you get in a situation where you know foul trouble obviously is a, a bigger factor because you've got that fourth guard on the floor and there's an opportunity to pick up a foul or two at a spot where it wouldn't be if you're running three-guard rotation. But Oscar on the floor, let, let's say that Oscar gets in foul trouble. Uh, do, do you automatically substitute with a Lance Ware or a Damian Collins in that size, or do you move like a Keon or a Toppin in there and then it's still – play a smaller lineup like do you go key on at the four topping and just kind of go that lineup? i don't know or do you stick with four guards and key on or topping i think these are all things that they have to decide on and i don't know like i would like to see it just to kind of see how it does and it, it's one of those things where if you don't run it out there the way that mince is playing the way that tata's playing grady the way that savir was playing you kind of owe it to yourself to at least throw it out there and maybe find something that is dynamic and really hard to guard. And if you just run it out there for three minutes a game, 
what it does then is the other coach has to spend so much more time in game prep preparing for that lineup that they might only see for a stretch of play. But what when you do that, you're overloading this guy and this team going into the game, and it's giving them more to prepare for, which makes you harder to scout. And, okay, now that we're talking crazy possibilities and, and you know, thinking of outside the box a little bit, hear me out. Because when Shaden Sharp first arrived on campus, what was the first thing that Cal said about him uh, that kind of stood out to him? Oh, I think he's grown. I think he's now 6'6". So if you want to, you know, introduce a guy and, you know, if you have him at that small ball four as a 6'6", 200-ish pound small ball four where you stick stick him exclusively on the perimeter, don't have to worry too much about defense uh, because he's not going to be – there's not fewer chances for him to get beat off the dribble and things like that if, if he's guarding a small ball four or a stretch four where they have to combat him as opposed to him combating the other team. I think that could also be something that they – maybe not – currently obviously but something that you think about down the road as a all right well if you really just want to do a I'm going to throw a hundred haymakers and go for the knockout punch every time we play these teams that would be one hell of a way to do it is by throwing him in with that same group or something of the like I don't know that's just I was just thinking that off the top of my head when we were talking about size size and and kind of that that differentiating size versus skill and, and where to utilize both things yeah, I agree with you 100. percent And and I'm sure that when people listen to this podcast, we're going to have people that agree and think that they should run a four guard look. They should run Shade and Sharp at some point in that lineup, and, and maybe that's a combo that you see. Uh, Kentucky's entering a stretch of games right now that are just brutal. I mean, you're you're talking a stretch of play that if they could find a way to go four and one in these next five, I think they could play their way into the two seed talk. And yeah. if they get wins at Kansas and Auburn, then you're starting to talk, okay, maybe this team is on the cusp of playing their way into a one seed if they finish strong, because then they're starting to get a resume. It's going to be a tough stretch to maybe work shading into, but I could see maybe getting through this stretch and then kind of looking at that Vandy, South Carolina, and, and maybe that's when you you get a look at it. He's been on campus then for three weeks. He's got a chance to practice, probably in better shape, and and you might get a look at it then. It's going to be hard for Cal to have the confidence to kind of throw a fresh guy out there for the next five. This, this stretch is going to be brutal. Yeah, and the, you, the, that hypothetical was definitely something that's like way down the road just thinking it, of, it is. of it, what it would be. It's February, the, honestly. Yeah, that's, that's dream scenario. If everything unfolds the way you want it to, that's something that, you know, if, if you're going to throw out the four-guard lineup, I'd, having a guy like Shaden in there would be the perfect complement for that if you were going to do that. I think that's the better way to put it well, instead of why not try it. And I just think that this team, I think this team as it is right now, is one of the the more difficult teams to prepare for in college basketball when you're approaching it from a defensive standpoint because they have Oscar who is just dominating college basketball right now and he's doing it in more ways than just the glass. Like okay, it was it was cool to talk about in November when coaches are like, man, you, you can't keep him off the glass. Well, now you can't keep him out of the scoring column, and it's not because he's rebounding the ball. Mm-hmm. It's because he's hitting 15 footers. He's finishing with his left and right hand. He's dunking the ball. That right there is hard enough to prepare for. And then I, I think at the top of the, the scattering report right now, you go Oscar Sheboy at the top of the board. And I think the second name on the board is Kellen Grady. And here's why. You can't leave him. Yeah. Like if he goes and gets hot on you and hits six six or seven threes, you're not beating Kentucky regardless of how well you're playing. 
and then you throw in what Tata's doing and, and all these other things. I think Kentucky's a very difficult team to prepare for as is. If they could throw in one to two more things, like a four-guard look for here and there, it makes them that much more difficult to prepare for and, and more dynamic, in my opinion, just because other coaches are having to waste time and, and use time and practice and game prep to prepare. Well, what has been Cal's uh, measuring stick for a, a team's potential for greatness uh, kind of throughout the entire time he's been here in Lexington? His measuring stick has been if you have four players capable of scoring 25 points on any given night, you're capable of making a run in March because you don't have to rely on any one player to you know sink or swim you. If you if you know last year if BJ Boston or, or Terrence Clark or Olivier Saar went cold, then you had nobody on on the team that was able to uh, you, you know survive with without them. This team. You have guys that have scored 25-plus points. You have guys capable of doing that. You know that Ty Ty is capable of doing that. Xavier has done that. Uh, Oscar Sheboy has done that. Kellen Grady has done that. You could just go down the list, and, and there's more. I mean, there's then you look at, like we said, dream case scenario. Shaden Sharp's down there on the bench. I think uh, Kiana scored as many as 18, 20 points. Uh, I mean, it, there are so many scoring options on this team that, that, that you – you have it, it's just really tough for any opposing team, like you said, to game plan and, and just the way that the numbers are backing up what the eye test is showing right now. That like the, this it team is. is is the most efficient scoring offense when playing the right guys. It's the most efficient scoring offense in college basketball, and I think that's why you can start dreaming big a little bit, and that's why I, I do think a. Even considering how difficult this run is moving forward, I do think that they are capable of of going, you know, winning five of six or how what, whatever well, you need from them. And and right now, if you ask me to like defensive efficiency, I know they're twenty third in Ken Palm. That's going to go up the minute Xavier Wheeler gets back because he's going to add something to that that end of the floor for sure. And if you ask me which one I'd rather be more efficient in right now, and I know defense, the, the motto is defense wins championships, and it does. When, when you defend at a high level, it gives you a chance. But when you're efficient offensively and you can score points, you put so much pressure on teams. And you could, even if it's one of those games where they, they muck it up and they try to make it ugly, like you can still score points. You can still hit shots. You can get to the free throw line and do some things there. And, and that's where I think that I'm having a lot more confidence in this team, being a, a team that can really challenge for a final weekend of the NCAA tournament because of that offensive efficiency, because the defensive efficiency, it might, it might not get to top five or six or seven, but it's by the time that we get to the NCAA tournament, I, I expect them to kind of settle in somewhere there around middle of the teens, maybe 10 to 15, 14 or 15, somewhere through there. Well, what is that stat that if if you have a top fifteen offensive and defensive efficiency rating in the Ken Palm, uh, every champion in the last twenty years or whatever it was has fit that criteria? It's something. It's it's and a it, stat like that. And it might be. I think it's top twenty in both. Top twenty is right. what it is. Top twenty, if I'm not mistaken, and and they're right there, and, and they have been there. For the last few weeks and then obviously the last couple of weeks the defense efficiency has gone down it's, it's 23 last time i looked and offense i believe was eighth or ninth somewhere in there yeah i think i know they're eighth overall in ken palm but those are both right there in that ballpark of, of being one of those uh handful of teams that can win the ncaa tournament 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's the, the proof is in the pudding. The numbers are there. And I think the last thing that fans need to see right now is, uh, it, you know, the, you, it looks good on paper when they're winning. They've won every single game by double digits this season uh, that they've won the game. They've won by at least 12 points this year. So you're, you're beating the teams that you should beat, but you're also not – you don't have the resume-building wins quite yet. And I think that's what fans are waiting for uh, as that last kind of – patient move of okay now I can think that this team is a real contender in college basketball when the if if Kentucky can win on Saturday against Tennessee if they can beat Auburn on the road you know go down the list if they can start racking up those type of wins I think that's when the the big time dreams start to kind of settle in as as potential reality well every Kentucky team that you feel good about getting to a final four though even the ones that haven't there they all had those moments in the season where they go through a stretch of play where you're like, all right, this team has answered the, they've answered the bell. We now know that they're good enough to get to a final four to that elite eight and play their way into a final four. You had it with the team that didn't get to play an NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. They had that stretch of road play at Arkansas at Texas tech. They had the, the road win at Florida to close the year. That's all that this team right now is missing. I think the offensive efficiency, the, the way that they're so lockable right now, the fan base is like, okay, this is a team that is definitely in that second weekend. You win a game or two here in this stretch on the road in one of these top ten uh, venues, and, and you then the fan base is going to say, all right, this team can get to a Final Four and have and had a legitimate shot to win a national championship. Yeah, I think that's that's the big dream. I, I think that this is the this is the first big test here. Uh, that that fans are going to really start to buy in with, with the hype, and and uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm I wish that I were I uh, would be able to be there, but uh, Zach Gage and I are heading heading up to uh, Massachusetts for the Hoop Hall Classic, and it's going to kind of transition a little bit into recruiting talk on this show. We're going to do a lot of um, the the same game recaps, and and we did the pregame show. Uh, now we're going to do a, a post-game show afterward, but we're also going to pump out a couple recruiting things as well. So plenty of awesome content coming up there, Sean. Any last uh, last thoughts that you need to get off your chest? Uh, overwhelming uh, you know, predictions, takeaways, things like that before we get, uh, say our goodbyes. Well, I said that I thought Kentucky could win this thing by 10 to 15, and then if that, that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm going to say Kentucky wins by 12 to 13 on uh on saturday and hey right now i've been pretty good at predictions right i said that they would win by 12 at vandy and they won by 12 at vandy i said uh i said shaden sharp would wear number 21 and look god he's he's wearing number 21 so right now i'm <laughs> gonna try to make it three for three and and say kentucky wins this thing but no just, just stay tuned to this podcast feed i will be on the uh, post game show for tennessee and then we'll we'll do some stuff for for texas a&m and just, just stay locked in with us because we jack and i've talked about three weeks ago and we come up with a big plan for this podcast and you're already starting to see that take shape and uh, definitely excited to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, guys, the numbers, uh, uh, they're, they're unbelievable right now. I think the the consistency is starting to get there. And I, I think that uh, the numbers are starting to spike as a result of it. So I appreciate every, all of you guys for sticking around with us and uh, here in our post game coverage and pre game coverage to kind of give you a, uh, an in-depth look at these teams. Cause I know, you know, I, I love the, 
the, the KSR pregame show, and I love what they're doing at UK. I know that they do. Uh, they're successful in their own individual ways, but I, I there were some times that I, I was sitting there thinking, man, I wish that there was uh, an in-depth X's and O's kind of breakdown of the team's uh, before they happen, after the games, after they happen, what's how the, the games unfolded, how the wins or losses unfolded, things like that. And I think that's what we're providing here uh, on the Source to Say podcast. So I'm grateful for you guys following along. The numbers are showing it that you guys are, are uh, enjoying it. So I appreciate all of that. Uh, with that, let's get out of here with one final note from, again, our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play play then by playing daily fantasy with our friends at prize picks prize picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games prize picks is the perfect game for you you simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection Price Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have uh, picks across sports as well. The NFL playoffs are here. They are here this weekend. So please capitalize on this. Add in some of those players to your picks with their over-under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. Download the Price Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's a Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com and promo code Pilgrim to pl- claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Thanks again to Justice Dental. We appreciate you. Shout out prize picks as well. I uh, appreciate everyone listening. We'll be back here, uh, we'll say, in the next day or two for our uh, um, recruiting coverage at the Hoop Hall and, again, our post-game coverage after the Tennessee game. Hopefully things turn out well with that. We'll be back then for another Jam Packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Bye.